good whatever time of day it is for you, my dear darlings. You're very welcome back to Pontification this week, where I am joined, as always, by my dog, Shadow, who you can't see, but is trying to lick my microphone, and by my partner in crime... <laughs> Chase Nova, um, how's, how's Shadow doing? How's that going on? Uh, Shadow's actually really, really good. And she gets stronger and more confident and therefore worse behaved every day. It's fantastic. And now she just runs around and licks things. Go Shadow. And how are you? How's your week been? Uh, my week's been great. I, uh, I made some pork. Um, I haven't eaten some pork yet, but I've made some pork. Oh, um, way to alienate our vegan listeners, Chase. My God. Hey. There was also some parsley <clears throat> on the pork. Oh, well, just in that to, case. Just so for some eye candy for the vegans. Is candy vegan? I'm never sure. It depends. Okay, fair it enough. It varies. Oreos are vegan, fun fact. Um, I heard this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it works. Uh, you know, my week is much the same as always. I'm always busy. I never get anything done. I don't know what's going on around me, so. Just mom life. I feel like that's kind of the expression that I seem to see on Simon Coveney's face whenever he's on the news. He just looks as if everything's new to him. He's like a baby. It's like, what's that? A deficit? New head Coveney is a mom. <laughs> Coveney's a mom. But like, not a good one. He's a stay no, in he's bed not particularly. mom. Uh, he is. And also, just quickly speaking of the deficit going on, um, I have a deficit. Do you have a deficit at the moment? Are you doing okay? Do you have a deficit? Financially? Yeah, you low on or money? generally? Well, I want money. Do you want money? I mean, yeah, I could do with some money. Where where could we possibly get that? From our very lovely people who are sponsoring us with money to say things. <laughs> real money. That's important. Real money that our sponsors are paying us. Our real sponsors. Um, yep. Would you mind if I read out some of our sponsors to make us that money? As per usual, I do mind, but I know you're going to do it anyway. Wonderful. <clears throat> mm. Thanks for your blessing. This week, Pontification is brought to you by the Appeal for Pumpkin Farmers. Pumpkins are enjoyed the world over, but only specifically for a very short time of year. And that's why they've come up with a whole new line of pumpkin products for you to support farmers during the seasonal downturn in sales. Drink down a pumpkin spice latte. Grab a pair of pumpkin shoes. Drink a pumpkin ale. Or purchase one of our pumpkin cannons. Or maybe, try one of our new vibrating pumpkin sex toys. Because remember, orange is the new black. And once you go black... Ooh. Were you allowed to say that? I might cut it. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I don't think... I don't know, but it's enough of a grey area that I'm not going to stay married to it. It's not us that are mean. It's the Pumpkin Farmers Appeal who made us read this. I mean, they wrote it. They did, exactly. It wasn't us. Also, Ponsification is also brought to you by Bean Sprouts. Have you ever been eating a delicious noodle broth or ramen and come across a rather unpleasant and bitter taste and crunch? Then you've had bean sprouts. They may be good for you, but that doesn't mean they are good. Bean sprouts. It's hard to ruin a good thing, but it's harder to kill a bad thing. <laughs> I actually really like bean sprouts. I fucking hate them. They're just, they're, they're nothing and they're bitter and they're not even, they're like slimy. It's like eating a crunchy slug. Oh no, they're great. I like everything else about ramen except for them. Um, oh, this one actually, apparently this, Any others? yeah, this person knows you. Um... I think they knew you when they were writing this ad, but... But then, everybody knows me. <laughs> that everyone does. So, Ponsification is brought to you by the outdated concept of gender. In line with the Catholic Church and conservative movements, think tank groups such as the Iona Institute may have paid us to tell you that there are two genders. Only two. 
The reason they may have paid us such a hefty sum of money is because their entire argument for Catholic or conservative superiority rests on the idea that their religious texts are without question. The existence of human beings outside of their traditional but outdated scope of binary genders calls into question their belief system, and so they must bully others to feel validated. And now they're trying to borrow our credibility, which, indeed, as we've mentioned, is for sale. So like I said, two genders. It's not scientifically correct, but that's what they pay us to say. There are two genders. I've been meaning to pick one, actually. Uh, kind of need to read about the options a bit more. Yeah, I'm still not sure. I figure I'll get it by the time I'm 30. Oh, shit, that's close, isn't it? Yeah, never Are mind. Are you not 30? <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Just, just fight through the pain to get through our sponsors, because we need that money so I can afford my pick a gender surgery. <laughs> oh, oh. And finally, Poncification is brought to you by Pie on a Windowsill. Are you a hungry vagabond traveling from town to town in search of work and fortune? You need to check out Pie on a Windowsill. Let the smell of apples and cherries fill your nostrils and salivate your mouth, carrying you towards your reward for a housewife's lack of foresight and canniness. Pie on a Windowsill. I think I saw it in a cartoon once. (laughs) Oh, jolly good. The other thing that I've been meaning to bring up with you, Chase, is uh, you keep mentioning the sponsor money. Where is it? <clears throat> you know the way that every now and again when you pull your jeans at the washing machine, there's a fiver in the back pocket? Oh, that does happen. There you go. Ah, I believe you and I trust you. Good financial planning. I do my best. Emma, what are we talking about today? Oh, Today we're going to say, sorry, today we're going to talk about mass. So we're going to say mass things by saying mass and talking about mass. Something like that, yeah. And try not to get ourselves stuck in a mass hole. (laughs) Disgusting. Let's move on. Okay, what do you know about, have you ever been to mass? Yeah, no, I've been to mass. I was raised Catholic by two very agnostic-y atheist parents. Oh. And, uh... And so I remember getting older and becoming like my non-believer self. And my parents both were like, yeah, we kind of just wanted you to fit in. Oh, that's a bummer. And that, and that was the attitude. I thought it was great. I was like, oh, that's why. That's why. Okay. That made sense mm-hmm. to me. I was like, yeah, cool. You wanted me to fit in. I wish you hadn't. But at the same time, it's true. I would have missed out on like, what, 75% of my communion money if I hadn't gone. Okay. So you have kind of like two half-religious parents, and I have the opposite thing. I have one really Jesus-y parent and one really, 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 really atheist-y parent. Do you remember in the days before social media when those kind of people could get along? Oh, I often (laughs) think about that. Like, my parents are married. Isn't that mad? To each other. (laughs) And mine aren't, coincidentally, who had much more similar viewpoints on religion. Funny that. Yeah, no, so... I, I did the whole thing. Like, I went to school and there was lots of nuns and we went to mass a crazy amount and all of that. And then when yeah. I was about nine-ish or maybe ten, I came home one day and I was like, I think this might be bullshit. And my dad was like, that's what I was fucking telling you. That's what I've been saying all along. And my <laughs> mom was horrified and chaos ensued. But, you know, eventually it worked and I got out. You got out? What, where did I, they have you kept... <laughs> At mass. Oh, at mass, okay. I had to run away from mass one day. I'm picturing the scene from that Jason Statham film where, like, they blow up a part of the church and all of a sudden, like, the altar boys run as if they've just been set free. So, 
You don't know how well you have set me up for my first story of the week. Oh, really? Okay. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to go from top. So, yeah, super religious schooling, all of that. But by sixth class, I had already kind of sussed that it was bullshit and checked out of the whole religious thing for myself. Yeah. Now, I went to an all-girls school. There's an all-boys school across the road, like directly mm-hmm. across the road. And both schools were maybe... 200 meters away from the local church so we would all get together to do like sacraments and stuff together you know so there's a queue of sixth class girls from saint joseph's all the way up the aisle of the church and there's a queue of sixth class boys from saint michael's on the other side i'm at the back and i'm stopped i'm talking to like the neighbor boy and we're like oh we should play football after school or whatever and he says oh emma the last the last person from your class, they, they're gone. They've just gone out the door. And I turned around mm-hmm. to realize, well, fuck, you're right. Everyone's gone without me. So I do what a rational child does. And I start absolutely flooring it. Like, just hurtled myself down the aisle of the church. There's these huge doors with, like, glass panels. So I put my hand out in front of me to swing the door open and keep running. And I just mistimed it a little bit. And put my hand out in front of me and ran straight through the glass. Wow. <laughs> and I froze and everything was fine. Everything was so completely, perfectly fine. But then I panicked, thought I was going to get in trouble with my teacher, so I pulled my hand back out. Oh. And that's when I sliced up my forearm. I wound up getting 32 stitches. I had nerve damage. That's why I don't play guitar left-handed anymore. Because my right hand doesn't work the same. It does now. It didn't for years. I'm picturing like the, the sort of narrator or the interviewee on one of those um, those crime docu stories, where they say something like, you know, so most people when they, you know, see their mother shot in the face, they probably call nine one one. But but you didn't do that, did you? And my theory now is my my thinking is just like so most people when they shove their hand through a pane of glass would probably look for help, but you didn't do that, did you? Um. So actually, that. No, not really, because <laughs> most of most of the stitches were between like the end of my pinky finger and my elbow. They're on that side of my arm. So I held my arm up in front of me such that I was looking at my thumb. Yeah. I only got, if I remember correctly, uh, maybe four or five stitches in my thumb. I'm looking at the scar right now and it's not massive. It's not dramatic. It's the I've- other side that you could see the bone. But I wasn't looking at that. So I held it up in front of me. All the children are screaming. Our heavily pregnant teacher is like dry heaving, sobbing. Everyone is freaking out. And I'm looking at my thumb, which is barely, barely injured. And I'm like, that's not that bad. You know, everyone calm down. Let's go back to school. And then I just fainted. (laughs) It sounds like it's like that scene in Father Ted where they're like, hey, the car doesn't look half bad. And then you look at the other side and you're like, oh, God. It was exactly that. And I didn't understand what was happening until I fainted. And then I woke up. And I mean, when I say I was covered in blood, like covered, like a carry amount of blood. And I was like, oh, this might be serious, actually. I always thought you were such a carry. Thank you. (laughs) I think you're such a Miranda. I don't know which one that is. Is Is that the lesbian one who ran for mayor in New York? I don't know. I think she's a lawyer. I don't know. Well, I don't think I was in the show. I oh, think she the has actress, a baby. Actually, okay. I never watched Sex in the City. <laughs> um, Jesus, that's horrifying. 
isn't it? What I, it, 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 it is gross. pretty bad. Yeah. I okay. So just because um, I'm not good with the sight of blood, and you've made me imagine it. Oh, I'm sorry. Which is worse because now it's in my own head. I can't even look away. <laughs> um. So what I did was I just kind of found like uh, I was trying to find out what were like some of the weirder things that had happened at masses up and down the world, <laughs> and. Uh, there's there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that came out in 2011 or 12, I think it was, and it was it, was, it takes perseverance and bravery to avoid being it was the title of the article. Okay. And it was about these. They've made a film out of it recently called Tagged with uh, Jeremy Renner and John Hamm and Ed Helms and that. And essentially, it's this group of like 14 to 15 guys who started a game of tag mm. when they were like, I think like 13 14 and wrote a rule book and they're still playing 40 oh, no. years later oh that's awful it i think it's amazing so stressful well there's some amazing stories i won't go into too much but like essentially there was a guy who um someone snuck into his house they're like 35 of this he's in bed with his wife and the guy sneaks into his house to tag him and when his wife wakes up instead of turning around and going ah there's an intruder in my house she goes honey run <laughs> And it's an amazing story, but just uh, one of them is now a priest. Okay. Uh, and he, he was, uh, let me see, he was tagged during Mass. Father Sean Raft is his name. Mm-hmm. He presides over sermons in Montana. And he was tagged by Joe Tambari while conducting Mass. Um, as I said, it's a whole podcast in itself, what goes on. But literally, he's a sit- what they said in the article, he's a sitting duck on Sundays. And sure <laughs> enough, the guy turned up, went up for communion and tagged him on the way out. Um Similarly, also that's played in the same group. There was another tagged incident within the same group of friends mm-hmm. uh, that occurred occurred at the funeral for one of the participants' fathers. Um, oh my god! As Patrick Skultis tells his friend, yeah, his friend Beef walked up during the communion segment. Sorry, I, I'm going to have to stop you. Whom? His friend Beef is what he's called uh, in the Beef. article. That's America. All the guys are like, "Hey, there's Slugger and Smoky Joe and Beefhead." I object to a man named Beef, but go on. It's not your fault. You didn't name him. When he dies, he'll be ground beef. Um, I'm on a roll today. I really hope they cremate him so he can be charred beef. (laughs) He could very well be. Um, So Patrick Skultis was at his father's funeral. His friend Beef walked up during the communion segment, put his hand on his shoulder and just goes up to his ear and goes, You're it. (laughs) So he got tagged at his dad's funeral. That There's, is inappropriate. Yes, inappropriate. But so those are the two mass incidents. There's a whole other podcast in itself in the the avoid being it story. And if you get a chance, it's well worth being a writ. It's behind a Wall Street paywall and tagged us up in a lot of streaming sites as well. We're watching. They didn't pay us. We're just hoping they will. <laughs> so uh, there's another guy called Shane Pruitt. He's an evangelistic preacher in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he's the author of the book, Nine Common Lies That Christian Believe. So I like his kind of Christianity in that he's a healthy skeptic of Christianity. Okay. And doesn't like how it's co-opted by a lot of the sort of market capitalists and stuff. So I like him. Good. But he claims he was preaching a wedding and there was a lady in overalls with a buzz cut and a smoker's voice at the back of the church. And she kept yelling, I object! (laughs) Throughout the whole wedding ceremony. And, like, in the middle of the ceremony, the groom turned and was like, shut the fuck up, Aunt Bertha. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds like a fun wedding to be at. I I don't know. I feel like that could go one of two ways. That's either a just great crack 
great fun is had by all, a very light-hearted wedding. Or it's the other way, and you know, the ants are fist fighting, and the toddler flower girl is on fire. It could have been absolute chaos. Yeah, and I do actually like the fact that it was at a religious wedding rather than any other wedding. The yeah. fact that you're in like the, the house of God, as it were, really diminishes the whole point. I object. Can I just let the people listening know, Chase does air quotes for you. Do I? Nobody but me can see it. This is the second time today that you've done air quotes. Oh, yeah, sorry. I've, I'm, in a, I'm in that mode today. I'm just yeah. sort of, I'm going with the flow. I'll move on with another story and I'll try not to do any air quotes. <laughs> um, Sam Rayner tells the story of his entire church being evacuated because an intern burnt scones in the vestry kitchen. Oh. Um, and so it okay. set off the fire alarm. Um, and when the fire alarm sounded, the sprinklers went off. Now he claims that a parishioner in the back immediately stood up and went, free baptisms! <laughs> and uh, he was kind enough to add that no one laughed. And that's a tragedy to me. That's, oh, I feel really bad for random parishioner number 37 now. Yeah, if that was me and I'd got that, like, when do you get to have that one-liner? It's such a unique yeah. moment, you know? Ah, oh. I, I'm just... I'm disappointed in that church. Um, this is this is my favorite one. It's also my last one, unfortunately. Um, I've left the church out because I know someone who goes here, but it's it's well written about. If you Google it, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. There's a church in Tipperary. As I said, I'm not going to name them for obvious reasons. They've had to ban, and I quote, "I'm not going to do the air quotes, even though it does say and I quote." But you can imagine I do the air quotes, and I quote, "All unconsecrated foodstuffs." have been banned. Who is sitting at the back of mass with fish and chips? I don't know if it's fish and chips necessarily, but they said that lots of people were, they were regularly bringing in snacks and popcorn and minstrels and even pints on a Sunday. (laughs) My granddad did that once. Yeah, well, I used, well, I haven't done it, but like down the country, I've seen people bring pints of Guinness into like, you know, mass, it happens. Um, So the priest got like just furious about it. They had to ban it. Um, and apparently people like took the warning. They were like, okay, yeah, this is a bit disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But there's been one offender since they've introduced the rule. And it was a 52-year-old woman. And she carved the, the crucifix symbol into some white chocolate buttons. Oh my God. What? To try and get away with it. She was kind of like, oh yeah, they were consecrated. Yeah, that was fine. I swear to God, women over 50, no, no laws. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Like they, they really do gain a new level of confidence. Absolutely. It's probably like a reaction to sexism at that age. You're like, you know what? Fuck it. I've always assumed it was that way, yeah. That they've lived with such restrictions for so long, they just have to let their hair down, as it were. Oh, yeah. yeah. Too right, too right. Um, I believe you have some stories to tell us about mass as well um, that don't involve people dying and bleeding on the floor. That you know of. Well, I hope not. But like, buckle up, buttercup. No, this, I do, I have one more. I have a delightful story starring my sister. It's from before I was born. My Uh sister was, I think, three years old at the time. Now, bear in mind, she got to be an only child for a long time, so she was amazing at talking. Okay. It's important that you understand, my sister was just perfect diction from a very young age, so everyone in the church knew exactly what she was saying the whole time. Even Deuteronomy. No one (laughs) understands Deuteronomy. She was sitting with my Uh mum. There was a man sitting directly in front of them, the next pew, who just had no hair at all, not a rib of hair on his lovely shiny bald head. And my sister stood up on like the kneeling cushion. 
to rub his bald head while screaming. I don't think she'd ever met a bald person before. (laughs) So she was screaming, oh my God, you have no hair and your head is so shiny. I love it. I love it. Mammy, mammy, can he come home with us? And then started kissing his bald head. Eventually. Come around, everyone. It tastes like a peanut. (laughs) Simpsons reference. Sorry, have to be done. Eventually, the man turned around to like angrily shush this tiny little child. But when he turned around, she got even more excited. And bear in mind, this is like pure joy coming out of this kid. She got even more excited because she found out and shouted, Hooray! And your nose is massive! (laughs) And not a word of a lie, the man just stood up and left. Fair play. Your sister was a bully. She says that she was oh, good at it. Absolutely, yeah. I speaking of bullies, I forgot about this one until right now, so I'm just gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. Um you know the way it was like common practice for people to egg things? Yeah. I think it still is. You egg things at Halloween and stuff. Um, I think so. Maybe not this year, but yeah. I didn't have I I had a pretty bad experience with bullies at school, but I still laugh about this particular experience, which was that in the local Easter mass down in the church they don't give you eggs. They give you Cadbury's cream eggs. Oh. And my bullies thought that, like, oh, it's the same as a regular egg. We can egg, you know, little Chase yeah. with these eggs and it'll be normal. Not realizing that chocolate on a cold April morning is pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> I got pelted with about 16 Cadbury's cream eggs. And honestly, every single one of them was edible post-impact. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Just... <laughs> bounced off me and they were probably delighted like oh yeah reusable these are these are far superior to the regular egg cannon okay but was it worth it like did you go home with your 16 cream eggs and your badly bruised tiny body and be like fuck yeah i win okay i got four not bad and the reason i the reason i got four is because i was running away and it's quite hard to catch when you're running away but i got like two in like my hoodie pocket and stuff so it wasn't too bad oh poor little chase Hey, if I had four cream eggs right now... You'd be laughing. No, I just wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be eating the cream eggs. Okay, next week, I am I was going to say I'll buy you some cream eggs, but uh, I'm not going to drive to Dublin with cream eggs. I'll PayPal you a tenner. <laughs> to get some cream eggs. To get some cream eggs, but I need you to like do an ASMR episode where you can just eat cream yeah, eggs. Yeah, let's just have like a one-hour episode of me going... Okay, no, that sounds like you're eating something far more polite than a cream egg. Cream eggs are like... (laughs) Yeah, if you're a horse, they're like that. (laughs) Okay, which I am, and I would thank you to respect that. Sorry, I didn't mean any offence. Hang on, hang on, I've got one more. Were you offended? Hey, now. Oh, oh... That that was horrible. Maybe I, it's time that we got to our main story. Oh God, that's that's me, isn't it? It is, yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so recently, I was, you know, I was on the internet watching videos the way that people do, uh-huh. and I've I, I I don't know what's wrong with my algorithm right now, but I'm getting a lot of Paula White Kane. Who's that on my feeds? I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. So, Paula White Kane, she began as this, like, sad, humble little southern child in the US. 
She was raised in severe poverty by a dysfunctional alcoholic single mother. She was abused throughout her childhood. It's a real bummer. But then she converted to Christianity, like I think in her late teenage years. And she later came to claim that God was giving her visions, that he speaks to her and that he told her she was chosen to preach the gospel. So basically, Paula modeled herself as a sort of discount prophet and became one of those televangelists, you know? Oh yeah, I've seen the type. Yeah, she married another televangelist and together they founded the Without Walls International Church. Hang on, hang on. They got divorced. Yeah, I was just thinking that must have been the loudest sex ever. (laughs) And they were without walls. So like the neighbours must have been furious. Even worse. I know. I'd be livid. (laughs) So... She divorced that guy, and then she got remarried to the keyboard player from Journey. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. He really did never stop believing. Apparently not, though, because now he makes, like, Christian music exclusively, (laughs) and he's pretty hardcore about it. Cool. Here's the part where you start kicking yourself for asking me, who is that? Paula White Kane is best known as the spiritual advisor to Donald J. Trump. Of course. Of course she is. That makes Mm. perfect sense. Now, bear in mind, we're talking about the member of his administration who I think quite famously claimed that she had the divine right to declare the White House as holy ground because wherever she goes, God, God goes. And if I might give you the actual quote. Sure. Because I was standing there and wherever I stand is holy. Um, does someone want to put her on a pit so that she's true for once? (laughs) Oh, now, okay, so that all happened. Then it was now. At the moment, there is a viral video going around of Paula White Kane leading prayer and apparently speaking in tongues over the course of the election. I think it's... I've seen this. Yes. There you go. I I see a storm of God. I hear a storm of... Yeah, it's it's like they they jazz improv. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I want to read you a little bit of the transcript from that viral video that's going around. (laughs) But she made it up. It's not like she wrote it. No, it's not biblical, like, it's just her shouting. Yeah. Um, You are the god of the sword as much as you are the god of the olive branch. So right now, take the sword of the Lord, take the sword of the Lord, take the sword of the Lord, and divide everything that is not of you. Separate the wheat from the tear, and strike, 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 and strike. I think you're missing some of the oomph. You're missing some of the oomph to it. I'm not a preacher. You were as much a god of the sword as you were a god of the olive branch. There's a rhythmic thing to it. And strike and strike and strike and strike. (laughs) I love that you're dancing to this now. Yeah, it's got like a... And strike and strike. It's so violent. I don't want to be stabbed ten times with a sword. What the fuck kind of religion is she preaching? Well, I think it's meant to be a metaphor, Emma, for God's penis. Oh my God. Do you remember when you said, let's do mass? And I was like, oh, Chase. <laughs> now it's happening. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that she's one of two things. I think Paula White Kane is either straight up insane and has real problems and needs treatment and shouldn't be on the internet fucking around. Yeah. Or 
She's one of the most savvy performance artists on earth and has figured out a way to make an incredible amount of money from doing virtually nothing. I was going to say, there's a TV series I watched about this called The Righteous Gemstones recently. I love The Righteous Gemstones. It's so good, but it's the exact thing. It's exactly what preachers do. Like, there's no real thing behind it. It's just a con. No, they just shout at you. Do you have more to tell us about Paula Paula White, was it? Um, Her specifically? No, but I was going to spiel off. Oh, spiel off, by all means, please. Thanks. Okay, so, yeah, the thing about Paula White Kane is... And no, it turns out I have more. The thing <laughs> about Paula White Kane is it's very easy for me, an atheist, to watch these videos and be like, don't fucking stab me with your God. What? What is this crazy person? It's easy to forget that some people are genuinely, like, they're at home praying along with this, and it's really significant for them, you know? And, like, she's got her live videos, memes, she tweets things like, if I may, this is from yesterday. I declare your spiritual eye to be opened to see supernaturally in the name of Jesus, two exclamation points. Which, it's it's insane, but it is... That doesn't is, mean anything. It doesn't mean anything! How can you see also, something in the name of Jesus? You can claim something in the name of Jesus. Yep. You could probably you could probably say say something or do something in the name of Jesus. Okay, no, no. I think things? I think the eye is seeing, but the opening of no, I think she is declaring in the name of Jesus that your supernatural vision will I, I don't know, man. Then why are you trying to argue with me about it? Are you agreeing with me? <laughs> I'm clarifying. <laughs> My point is that she is undeniably a, like, digital preacher. Like, above all else, she's a digital preacher, which is a relatively new thing. And obviously, this has been drastically accelerated by COVID. Mm, So, to give context to the cultural significance of digital preachers, I'm going to dip into Catholicism for a second. Mm -hmm. According to thiscatholicfamily.com, Mass being offered every single day has been a core part of, like, what Christians do from early, from antiquity, you know? Yeah. And because Mass is offered every day, across various times, in various parishes, in various time zones, they reckon that there is never a moment when Mass is not being offered somewhere on the planet Earth. Or rather, and they specify... There was never a moment when mass wasn't being offered until churches were forced to break for COVID. Well, that's a lie. I think so. Like, it doesn't sound right to me. It can't be. I mean, it's likely that at some point there's someone peeing on the world. But there's there's a... Not on the world, in the world. (laughs) I was wondering. (laughs) That's what it's like when God reigns, according to Paula Cain White. I was just going to say, that's where rain comes from. Yeah, exactly. Paula Um, calls down the rain. Yeah. (laughs) Let loose your glorious bladder, my lord. Let your prostate push this precipitation upon us. Oh, what does she have to say for him to poop? You know what? Let's not. Meteors. Meteors. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The thing is gathering to worship like it's present in nearly every religion you know it's really it's important and it's yeah. been around i think just as long as people have held religious beliefs True. it's mentioned in a lot of holy books it's core stuff you know mm-hmm. and i'm not about to defend anyone who dodges covid restrictions to go to mass but 
I can empathize somewhat with people who are religious and they're suddenly missing out on a key part of their faith. And, you know, on a part of their routine and their social life, I'm sure that's really difficult, even if it is just one small part of a bigger thing. Why not Zoom mass? We're all doing Zoom everything. Exactly. I've had Zoom What's sex. Sex is a big Digital part of my life. Mass. Tell me all about it on our podcast right now. No, I'd rather hear about Zoom mass, to be honest. I'll keep talking then. How do they do so communion? Yeah, do they post it out? That's... I wish. that. Did you know you can buy communion wafers online? You yeah, just I, ordered them. I bought communion wine before just because I was curious and it tastes like Buckfast. <laughs> exactly like Buckfast. I mean, fast. it would, wouldn't it? It's really sweet tonic wine, yeah. So yeah, that's it. Digital mass, you would think, is the solution. And on the one hand, like I think that's actually great because... I don't know, I find it really joyous that people are just using the internet in all these wonderful ways and developing communities, and it's been nice. It's been a nice thing to watch, but not everyone is thrilled about it. I can and see that. in particular, one, yeah, one Father Tim Hazelwood from the Association of Catholic Priests, he spoke up this year and he said that his feelings were hurt, basically. And that the feelings of a lot of priests were hurt. I don't think those were his words, but it's certainly the gist I got. It's almost as if if, if you make someone say they're not going to sleep with anyone, and then there's suddenly <laughs> a situation where they don't actually have any company, they might actually not have something to fall back on, Emma. Imagine, imagine clergy people not being in the best possible environment for, like, thriving, flourishing mental health. Yeah, what shocking. World. Yeah. Yeah. So the specific reason why their feelings, I just, I love this. The specific reason why their feelings are hurt is because people have been like tuning into the live stream mass, the digital mass, and discussing and rating the performance of different priests. (laughs) Oh, there's a rate of priest site, is there? I don't know. I should know, but I don't. Oh. (laughs) I think it's more comment sections that he's worried about, to be honest. Well, here's the thing. This has become so much of an issue that people are now throwing around the term mass hoppers to describe people who jump from live stream to live stream, criticizing various priests as they go. And I assume they're in search of like Ireland's most listenable priest or like, fuck it. Why not the world's most listenable priest? In my mind, I'm just going like, oh, how do you comment on it? like, well, he said the Our Father, but he didn't make me feel it. (laughs) I mean, you just did that to me. How? What? You said I wasn't passionately quoting Paula White well enough. You see, it's very easy to criticise people who are clearly ordained priests. Yes, but you're not a priest, nor are you ordained. (laughs) I could be in like an hour though, right? I am. There you go. Yeah. Well, I have some criticism to offer you, Mr. Nova. Father Father Nova. Nova. Yeah, thank you. Father Nova. Papa Chase. It's fine. But... (laughs) Please, Papa Chase is your dad's name. I should know. <laughs> Ooh. Oof. Um, but I actually, I think that's really healthy. You know, I think Father Tim Hazelwood should pull the stick out of his ass. Yeah. And, you know, get his shit together. Because my understanding, and bear with, because I'm not the most biblical person, but my understanding is that the clergy people, they offer mass to the parishioners. Like, it's the parishioners' time. It's for them. Mm -hmm. That's why they don't say mass when they're alone. They just do normal prayer when they're alone. Mm. So surely the parishioners are the ones, they should be getting the most out of mass. On a serious note, I used to say this to musicians as well, is they'd say, oh, I went to play in a room full of drunk people and none of them listened to me. And I was like, yeah, because it's your job 
to make them listen to you. Yeah. It's your job to get up and entertain them. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. And there's something for respecting the artist, but that means don't go play in these pubs. Don't preach to the public if you're not willing to accept the criticism. Yeah. If you just want to do your own thing, that's fine. Go and do your own thing, but don't try and give it away. Yeah, true. Don't demand an audience. Now... So I was reading this and I suddenly remembered a local priest here in Wexford and we're going back a while. This is maybe 15 years ago Mm -hmm. who had a very similar complaint. He went on the radio to discourage mass mitching services. Now, by mass mitching services, he meant that there was a young lad at the local school who, in exchange for a few cigarettes, would text you on a Sunday morning to give you the sermon, like to you know, to give you the gist. I was picturing like idea. autopilot from airplane <laughs> in the church. <laughs> that would have been more efficient. Yeah. Just like giving a few fags to your man who's in your geography class. Yeah, no, the idea is that when you arrive home to your fierce, strong ICA mammy for a feed of ham and spuds at 11 o'clock right. in the I morning. I got the text. It's okay. I know what happened. Exactly. She'd yeah. be like, were you at mass? And you'd be like, yeah, mommy, of course I was at mass. And she'd be like, oh yeah, what was the sermon? And you'd tell her, boom, done. And Everyone's if you, if you gave him silk cut silver or something, he'd give you the wrong sermon. If <laughs> <laughs> you gave him shit cigarettes, he's sorry. That'd be oh, me. Oh God, do you remember silk cut silver? Offensive. Oh, can you still get them? You probably can. Yeah, a friend of mine was smoking them the other day. She oh, yeah. by accident. Yeah, didn't <laughs> yeah go well. that's the only way anyone buys silk cut silver. Yeah, as far as I'm aware of. I think you're only allowed to smoke them if your hair is the same colour, actually. Interesting. They should make that a law. Do you remember Silk Cut Red? They were like children's fags. They were really small. Yeah, yeah, I remember them. The little wee ones. Yeah, and the square box. I used to love the boxes, but I hated the fags. Back on topic. Certainly. So, yeah. So, I mean, Tim Hazelwood clearly is just a big fucking hurt-feeling baby priest. But a lot of... Poor Tim. A lot of kind of leaders and clergy and different people from different religions, they're actually thrilled about it, you know? And there's a rabbi in Grand Rapids, Michigan, whose name I appear to have lost. So if you or someone you know is a rabbi in Michigan, come get your credit. Um, But he's been blogging all year. He's an older man. He learned all about blogging. And he just writes up like his thoughts and his teachings and, you know, rabbi stuff. And I had a look at his blog. It's deeply boring, unless you're the kind of person who wants to hear a rabbi's thoughts about scripture, in which case I, I'm sure it's right up your street. Yeah. But he keeps mentioning how this has been a great experience for him. And specifically like that he now has such a wide net for discussion. There's people all over the world can comment. And that people who may have never in their lives come to the synagogue to see him are actually, you know, they're responding online and they're engaging with religion for the first time in probably years for some people, Mm. you know? I don't think he's alone. Like, there are tons of leaders who have gotten really good responses. And seemingly, Mm -hmm. according to exactly one article that I read, the increase in digital worship and, you know, religious study being available online has actually just strengthened the faith of a really large number of religious people in the past, like, 30 years or so, Mm. which I think is lovely. But here's the real question with regard to digital mass. Does it count? Like, is is it really mass? I think it is. I think, yeah, I think it is. I mean... 
during a pandemic, it'll have to do. Let's deal with Catholics on their own for a second. Okay. Because bear in mind, part of their whole thing, their whole shtick, is they have an obligation to attend Mass every single Sunday, and failing to do so is a mortal sin. Like, they're quite particular about going to Mass. And so in that case, the short answer is no, it absolutely doesn't count. It just doesn't. So saith the Pope. Now, the Pope has been celebrating Mass in person throughout 2020. He has, like, his church in the Vatican where he says his Mass and he's delighted with himself. But apparently, he's really fearful that while people fail to fulfil the obligation of Mass, which that wording troubles me every time, that people are going to start taking a more individualistic approach to their faith, which, according to the Pope, is a big nettily no-no. That is a big disappointment coming from what I had dubbed a few months ago as the Sound Pope. I'm going to be honest, I don't really know anything about the current Pope. Are we still on the Nazi Pope? No, we're not on the Nazi Pope. The Nazi Pope retired. One of the first to leave the post without dying. Um, just decided to leave. Ratzinger, I believe his name was. Um, no, we're on Pope Francis, and he's been pretty cool about like saying he welcomes uh, gay couples, like queer couples, to the church. Um, he's nice. been. I saw he was quite kind to the homeless. Very good to the homeless. Uh, wants yeah. to change the course of direction of the church. He also said that um, he took away a lot of the the fanciful adornments of the of the position as well. Like he's gotten rid of all the gold and robes and stuff on the inside, and says this is not the life we're meant to lead. And I'm sort of like, yeah, oh, you know, I like I disagree yeah. with the faith. But if you are saying, oh, I'm taking a vow of poverty, you fucking live by it, even if you're the leader of the religion. Yeah. So now I've lost all uh, of that he, he respect. sounds quite good. Because he's yeah, apparently no. not obeying COVID restrictions. Um, no, so he says his own mass, but yeah, specifically he reckons not going to mass has always been a mortal sin, and so it shall continue. But similarly, Catholic publications have actually been warning against televised mass for years. <laughs> like, this is an ongoing debate, seemingly. <laughs> and in 2015... The Pope went to Philadelphia and gave, like, a huge open-air mass. Don't know whether it was the same Pope. Um, I assume they're just all the Pope. There. So he was offering mass at the Benjamin Franklin Parkway during his visit. And people were warned, well, Catholics were warned, that if they went to see the Pope with their eyeballs, that was fine, and they didn't have to go to a mass in a church on the same day. But if they watched the papal mass on telly and they didn't follow up by going to a live mass in a church, then they would, in fact, be burdened with mortal sin. This, this is actually one thing. This is a really good moment for Chase's meme facts, which is that that oh. Pope's visit became a meme because President Obama attended the mass in Philadelphia. Not, I think, in like a special box Catholic, or whatever. No, but it's, it's just, just the Pope's just, visiting just, your country. You do yeah, a thing. Okay. Fair um, and he went out and he found a little tiny like three-year-old toddler who dressed up as the Pope in a, in a little Pope-mobile. And there's a <laughs> meme of Obama seeing the child and losing his shit. He's, like, just <laughs> laughing behind the kid the whole way. I mean, you, you would too. <laughs> uh, listeners, look that up if you want. It's true, and it's so funny. He oh, looks I like can't such... wait until we're off the clock here so I can look that up. <laughs> of course. Sorry to interrupt. The, no, I'm delighted you did. Delighted <laughs> that you did. Um, the part that really, really got me is that one Catholic newspaper in Philadelphia offered the advice that if you lived in one of the apartment buildings that was like near the parkway so that you could stand out on your balcony during papal mass, that was good enough. And then 
you didn't have to go to church later that day. And if you had a south-facing balcony that was away, did that count? Or you were facing the wrong direction of the Pope? No, you had to be facing the Pope. You had to be able to see the Pope with your own eyes. You have to be able to see him. Yeah, it's a line of sight thing, I think. Okay. I don't know what happens if you don't have good vision. I'm just thinking there might have been like one or two really devout Catholics on their balcony that's on the opposite side of where the Pope is, but using a telescope to see through a window on the other side of the apartment. <laughs> just set up like a really complex sequence of mirrors yeah, that, to that, dodge mass. Like the giant telescope with all the, what are they called? The refractory mirrors? Is it refraction they use to, to use? Let's go with, yeah. Sure. sure. Something like that. That's sure. what they're doing. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, that's Catholics. Their whole thing is you have to go to Mass whether you like it or not. And I was like, you know what? This all seems a bit harsh. So let's have a look at the other religions and see how they're getting on. Now, Muslim men are obliged to, to gather for prayer every Friday. Yeah. yeah. And I found out two things about this. One, they had to close the mosque at Mecca for the first time in 1,400 years, which yeah. I feel really bad for Muslims. It, it yeah, seems really difficult. I was very impressed looking at just, I have um, members of my family who are members of the Muslim faith, and mm-hmm. uh, there were quite a few reactions in the communities that were like overwhelmingly positive. Like There was a disappointment, but they were aware of the fact that it was for the greater good. And it was, That's it was definitely the impression I got reading online, yeah. Yeah, it felt much more encouraging than what I saw from the Catholic community here, whereas now they're urging to have, like, super spreader masses over Christmas here, and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. So, yeah, so usually, you know, they, they have, let's say, mass. Mm-hmm. They have their mass on a Friday, and I was wondering, you know, are they still expected to go to mass? And apparently, the advice they've been offered is, if you are medically vulnerable your imam is medically vulnerable or if your nearest mosque is somehow unsuitable for Mm -hmm. like physically, socially distancing your prayers, in that case, it is fine to just do extra prayer on your own at home or to pray with the other people in your bubble. Yeah, okay. But you should kind of do your best. So, yeah. I mean, I'm comparing them to Islam and that's it, but it sounds like Catholics are the assholes in this situation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's many situations actually. Historically, we could go further into that, but we won't because you know what? <laughs> They've had a tough year. That's a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, depending on how vengeful your God is, you may or may not have to go to mass during COVID. That's um, I'm I'm pretty happy about that. I I really like that idea um, that God really cares about whether you die because that was not the impression <laughs> I've often got. Um, <clears throat> uh, wonderful! Thanks so much for sharing your research with us, Emma. As always, uh, now you're so welcome. Oh, oh thank you. Ooh. So what I've done is prepared you a little quiz, a mass themed quiz. Um, oh great! What I've done is I've written some Latin phrases. Oh, terrible. And then I've translated them, and you have to tell me if the translation is real or not. So, what? What are the rules? So, the little mass theme quiz I have for you this week is I've got some Latin phrases, and I've written an English translation for them. Okay. And you have to tell me whether the English translation is correct or incorrect. So, some of them I've made up, and some of them are real. Can I stop you for a second? When you say... I have written an yeah. English translation for them. Are you trying to imply that you know Latin? 
I, as it happens, I did actually do it as part of my Greek and Roman civilization uh, part of my degree in college. But no, that I looked... surprises me 0%. Exactly. But I did pull yeah. up um, the real translations for some of them. And obviously some of them I made up. Okay. Okay, okay great. So your first phrase is illegitimum non carborundum. And the translation I have for that is false prophets won't bring about real truth. I feel like that's a real one. It's false. Um, oh. Illegitimum non carborundum is don't let the bastards grind you down. Oh, shit. My friend has that tattooed on her arm. <laughs> Sorry, Ashling. Sorry. It's, it's from Sorry. like a, a, I think it's from some World War II vets or something. They used to put them on their, their lunch boxes or their fucking lunch boxes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going off to war, daddy. Did you remember my ham and cheese sandwiches? <laughs> can Paddington come to war too? <laughs> no, but you can bring the marmalade. It helps with the trench foot. Um, so number two is dies iria, meaning judgment day. Dias Iria, meaning Judgment Day. Mm, I'm going to go with real. It is real. Uh, it literally translates to Day of Wrath. song, isn't it? Dias Iria? It's probably a dream theatre song, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like there's a song with that title. Maybe uh, I made that up. I wouldn't be surprised. So, uh, number three. Leo Volente. Leo Volente, God willing. No, that one's fake. You think so? Oh, I did, but now you're now you're looking at me, and I'm not sure. I'm going with fake. You're Final correct, answer, Chris. You're correct. It's yes. entirely fake. Uh, Deo Valente would be God willing, but Leo Valente means lion willing, which is the <laughs> amount of Latin that I've actually had to translate from my own mind in doing this quiz. First of all, well done, you. Thank Secondly, you. that's what I'm going to get tattooed on my arm. I like it. It's a good one. Uh, so, indivisa manent. Indivisa manent. They remain undivided. Real. It is real. You are quite correct. I mean, once you get into it, you suddenly remember, you're like, shit, the language I speak... It's quite similar to ...heavily influenced by Latin. Yeah. I should be doing better at this. Okay, so see, think of this one. Testiculos habit et bene pendant. Testiculos habit et bene pendant. Did you say testicles? No, I didn't. I said testiculos. Testiculus habet et bene pendant, meaning his home was tested, but he fought well. No, it's fake. It is fake. Would you like to know what it means for real? Very much so. Thank you. Uh, So it actually means he has testicles and they're hanging well. I knew it. I should have tried to pronounce it. So pleased with myself. Do you know where it comes from? I sure don't. Okay, this is a fun fact. Have you ever heard of Pope Joan? Who? No. So, uh, Joan of Arc? F- no. So for a long no. time, a lot of historians were not sure whether this is real or fake. They're now kind of pretty sure that it's not a real story. But there was, they think it evolved from possibly a satirical story or a comedy piece or a play or something from the time. But we're talking like 700 AD. So like not long so, after yeah, Christ. Back then you could just make shit up and people weren't going to Google it. Precisely. Yeah. So the rumor that came about was that there was a woman who somehow managed to sort of infiltrate the church. Um, it varies about what her origins were. Some say she was a drunk, bored housewife, and others say she was, like, a credibly anti-Christian. Um, and so she managed to become a priest, and then a cardinal, and was eventually elected pope. Um, and served as pope for a number of years, mm-hmm. until she got pregnant while on the job. <laughs> and it's pretty, hard to, it's pretty hard to explain that you're a man when you become pregnant. Um, and so from then on, this is the story... 
is what they did is when they elect a new pope, they would put him on a chair with a hole mm-hmm. in the center of it and then lift him above their heads to make sure that he had testicles. And the phrase was apparently, testiculus habit at bene pendant. He has testicles and they're hanging well. I am in equal parts disappointed and thrilled that that story, according to historians now, is a lie. They believe it's a lie now, but remember, for a long time, like we're talking up until 30 years ago, this was real. (laughs) People just straight up believed that this happened. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I love human silliness. Oh, me too, me too. Uh, So, let's continue with Mm. ex cathedra from the catheter. No, that's fake. You think so? Yeah. Okay. You're correct. It is fake. It actually means from the chair, which means from a place of authority. If you were speaking from the chair, it meant you were speaking from a a figure of authority. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, seven, non-homo, no homo. That's definitely fake. Is it? It's very fake. I'm sure it's fake. It is fake. Uh, homo does not mean homosexual. It means man. Man, yeah. Yeah, so See, that means no men. this is the one word of Latin that I don't know why I know, but I do. I, I wonder where you may have come across the word homo before, Emma. <laughs> Who could ever imagine? Is it me? Am I nailing this? Uh, you're doing pretty well. I feel very good about how this is going. You are doing very well. Um, so I like this one as a phrase. It's actually one of my favourites. But is the translation correct? Out cum scuto, out in scuto. Either with shield or on shield. Pure guesswork. Let's go with real. It is real. <clears throat> uh, it wouldn't necessarily be a Latin phrase of sorts. It's a Spartan phrase. And uh, oh. it's because you may have seen the movie 300 and you've probably seen it in history books as well. You, you know haven't. I don't watch movies. It's a good one, actually, as far as historical ones go. But Spartan shield. tried to teach me world history a little while ago and I found, about, I found out about Caligula. Oh, yeah. Like, right, buy me four books about this dude and fuck the rest. I don't need to know anything else that happened. Actually, no, having studied him, knowing the circumstances that led to Caligula, quite relevant in today's standards, given the outgoing US president, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so you might remember, you may have seen that Spartan shields are, for lack of a better term, they're fucking massive. They're huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when you went... They make a wall. They make a wall with them. Well, that was more Macedonians, but yes, phalanxes were still a thing in Spartan days. So Mm -hmm. as they're marching forward, basically, it's if you win the battle, you're not leaving your shield there because it's fucking heavy and you're like, it belongs to you. But if you Uh die, they would put you on your shield and drag you back. So it's a Spartan phrase for like, never give up is either with shield or on shield. That's how you're coming back. First of all, I actually really like that. Yeah, it's a cool little phrase. Yeah, it's actually, it's nice. There's a lot of kind of, you know, pride tied up in that. But also, I love how the Spartans were not wasteful with their materials. <laughs> yes, they were a really eco-friendly warrior race. I admired that little bit of upcycling there. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, okay, so, Odorant Doom Metuant. Odorant Doom Metuant. Let them hate so long as they fear. I'm suspicious because the Latin phrase is so much shorter than the English phrase, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm still going to guess and say real because I don't trust my own brain. It is real, and it's a quote from Caligula. <gasps> oh, he, he oh said I should have known that. Probably. Here um, I am bragging, huh? Probably Rome's most brutal dictator, but also, very importantly, mm-hmm. a quote worn on a shirt by WWE performer Triple H. 
Which, yeah, I totally would have known that. Someone listening to this will know who that is. It's all about the game oh, I, and how I you play me. Uh, and finally, the last one. I know The Undertaker. Does that count? Do I get points for that? Uh, you're not getting a point for it because he's not Latin. <laughs> or does he say anything in Latin? If you can tell me the Latin for Undertaker, I'll, I'll take it. Do you have like a minute for me to Google it? or should No, we so you're on? not getting the point. So let's do number 10. <clears throat> okay. This one is one I think a few people might have trouble with. I hope you don't. Cogito ergo dolio. Cogito ergo dolio. I think, therefore I do. No, that's not right. That's fake. It is fake. For no. an extra bonus point, which would give you 10 points and make it a perfect score, can you tell me what it does mean? Is it... Gonna go out on a limb, Chris Tarrant, and say, is it, I think, therefore I am? No. That's Cogito oh. Ergo Sum from Descartes. Oh. Um, no, Cogito Ergo Dolio means, I think, therefore I am depressed. Oh. I mean, yeah. It's a much more um, relate. Much more poignant metaphor, I think, actually, in many ways. Isn't that it? was that yeah. was nine out of ten. I'm very impressed. Like, fair play. Gotta Excellent give myself work. a round of applause. I deserve it. I'm you're gonna get one for me too. I've got I've got sheets of paper in my hand. I'm gonna Would it make you feel better if I gave myself a round of applause, but with sheets of paper in my hand? It would make me feel really good if you would clap one hand against your face. I'm not going to do that. I didn't now, think so. I think it's the part of the podcast where we pretend we're surprised that we've run out of things to talk about. So Have wanna... we run out of things to talk about? My goodness, I think we might be running out of time. <laughs> I think we have. Um, thanks very I much, wish Emma. someone had prepared a monologue. <laughs> oh, I'll make one up. Hang on. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> at this end point, I'd like to ask listeners to envision that Emma and I had invited Donald Skihan on the podcast. No, <laughs> Why? Imagine that we had probed him for his opinions on being a decent human being. Just try to grasp the ridiculousness of us asking Donald to teach us how to embrace our deeply buried compassion for life to the point that we don't actively try to run over every cowering hedgehog we see out of spite. <laughs> if you can grasp the absurdity of this idea, you can probably grasp how foolish and misguided it is to have me speak about mass. <laughs> I've often thought that the Catholic Church in Ireland never made any active effort to keep me in its flock. I figured out that I didn't believe in a god, not least the one illustrated in organised religion, before I'd glimpsed a pubic hair sprouting on my body. As someone with a passion for food and home cooking, they could have at least taken the time to change from mock bookfast and communion wafers to Beaujolais and cream crackers. And they probably could have had at least 10% of my pocket money for another five or so years. My cynicism notwithstanding, there's actually a very positive case to be made for Mass, though none of it is centred on the idea of an afterlife. Mass in small rural areas is a gathering. It's everyone and everyone's children and everyone's neighbour in one place, once a week, a social event, and it makes all people seem humble and equal together. There's definitely something to be said in favour of that in our new online VR-based existence. Deals can be struck, compromises found, and more sadistically, a lack of cruelty for fear of having to face the recipient over tea and sandwiches in the vestry. Nothing is quite as frightening as finding out that Deirdre, the woman you met in a vegan Facebook group and then pestered with nude photographs, was in charge of making the only vegan sandwiches on display. This fear, of course, only further embellished by the fact that she doesn't appear to be eating anything at all herself. <laughs> but Ireland's rural communities have been stripped of almost all investment, and now gossip is actually a secondary currency. 
Mary telling you who's pregnant, who's dead, and who's going to be pregnant and or dead is a vital part of the rural economy. Without it, Siobhan wouldn't drop over the cakes of a Saturday to load up for service three towns over, and Mary wouldn't have the sway over the philandering councilman that she does now. How else did you think they managed to get a Marks and Spencers in Longford? Without the distraction that Mass affords them, locals may start to take notice of the youth outreach centre that's been closed for two years, or the fact that their local primary school is now 90 minutes away and has children at a 50 to 1 ratio with teachers and a 6 to 1 ratio with bullies. At the end of the day, bullies now have to ice their fists like pugilists before hitting the keyboards for their cyberbullying shift on TikTok. I think the larger point I'm getting at here is that to me, religion is and always has been a distraction. I believe that if people are living their lives according to arbitrary rules and the false belief that they will go somewhere perfect when they die, they'll probably never make an effort to improve in their surroundings. Like, why would I take the time to repaint my apartment if I'm moving into a mansion next week? Religion is in part to blame for this collective shirking of political and economic responsibility that we've all embraced. And while a lot of our current woes rest at the hands of capitalism, it's religion that has historically blinded the public to its hidden dealings. But that's religion. And religion and mass are not one and the same. I argue you can remove all religion from mass and you actually have a wonderful weekly community event. Picture it. Everybody wakes up hungover and puts on their best suit. They all toddle down to the town hall and listen to the gossip from the Council of Marys. And then they have a quick Q&A with the local political representatives. Afterwards, there's food, a few glasses of wine, and everyone's home and merry by 1pm to have a quick nap before the roast dinner and a few episodes of Reeling in the Ears. Notice how this is just a typical Irish Sunday. It's just that religion and God didn't play a part of it. And while you were doing so, you were actively informed in what's going on in your county. Of course, you still ran into Deirdre. Her eyes still pierced your soul as you took a bite of that cucumber and eggless mayonnaise sandwich. Her lips still stayed pursed until you swallowed. And once you did, they still creaked into a smile. Your stomach still gurgled as you ran through the church doors. Wondering if you could make it to the bathroom. <laughs> you couldn't. You still felt that burning sensation around your colon and lower intestine for the next 24 hours. You still lay in bed all week praying for an ice lolly or for death, whichever would soothe the burning pain quicker. But you still learned your lesson. Don't be cruel to people you'll have to see at Mass on Sunday. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.